fire up. Are proud to present a glittering new season celebrating the barbaric ballet that we call Rugby League. You must feel pretty confident with that uh, additional bulk he's put on. Now watch the defence, it'll be fairly uh, violent I would imagine. Now the Gladiators, Hoppawati with the left forearm. It was as nasty as we've seen for a long time. A little bit out of character, he's a very clean player. Manly slumped to eighth on the ladder. Slanging match. He's only five metres from the line. And he's hurt on the bird. He runs into a wall. Certainly got some forearm in it for some damage done to him with a boot or a knee. But my heavens, he's really bleeding. He's come out of it very much the worse for wear. Bleeding like a stuck pig out there. And the crowd's starting to go wild. Intercepted. Shows it. Goes outside. Steps, steps again. Steps again. He gets it down. It is a try. Yes, it's a try. It's a sad, sad commentary on the mentality of some of the idiots that follow Australian sport. Now, please welcome your muscle-bound maestro, Stephen Ferris and... Chris Gale. As they... Yes, and I'm very, very excited and very proud to announce that this is a day in Rugby League which will go down in history as the first day without any idiots in Rugby League being our special guest today, Mary Constantinopoulos. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. That's the best I've ever had. Well, we threw the idiot at Ben Elias. We threw it at Don Walker. We even threw it at Stuart McGill, didn't we? They all qualified, but Mary, you don't. You don't. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you for coming. Hey, uh, just I should make note of where we are. I call it the in-betweenies. Uh, we're right dead smack, sort of nearly in the middle of the state of origin sort of moment where we all take a breather. Footy was great in the weekend. But I want to say uh, we had something new this week too. Of course, the Kings honour list. Did any rugby league players make the Kings honour list this week? By Clint, your reckoning. Clint Gutherson should have, Mary, with a hat-trick in the first half yesterday for your Parramatta Reels, correct? I agree. Wasn't that perfect timing from the king, Clint Gutherson? Why is he the king? I have no idea. I think someone on the footy show gave him that nickname. He, he's see? not a self-anointed king. Right. I'm assuming it's the Elvis Swivel Hips dance that he used to do when he scored the try, layering up. Right. A little bit like the king himself. Thank you very much. Not the hair? Well, you know... The hair changes a lot. It does. And some Parramatta fans think that we win or lose depending on the particular <laughs> hairstyle. Because that's not crazy at all. In, in the same school of thought that New South Wales lost the first origin because of the navy blue jersey, which they did. It is actually true, though. <laughs> I walked into the hairdresser the other day and said, give me a Gutherson, and they were just confused. They right. yeah. But if you go to Penrith and ask for a Cleary... <laughs> They know exactly what you're talking about yeah. up there. And that, take, take your teeth out while you're there. Are you guys familiar with computer, computer numeric modelling? No. CNC machines? No. That's actually how Cleary's haircut is designed. You just put the data in and it just etches out. Well, look, it's been a dark day in sport many, many years ago, and that dark day is coming back to haunt us again. It appears, Chris, that the news came out. Breaking news today here on Fire Up is that Flano is in deluxe. 
Shane Flanagan apparently has the unanimous support of the St George Illawarra board to be the new coach, which means to me that Peter Douse received a call last night said he was urgently required down in Canberra. You think he's tied up somewhere? <laughs> and he's turned up. Yeah. He's turned up at the Late. Canberra Park Royal or something. Well, I'm here. And done deal. Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah. And therefore was uh, a notable absence from the meeting that's appointed Shane Flanagan, former premiership winner, as your new coach, Stephen. Yeah, do you think there's any pressure? In, well, of course, there's pressure involved in choosing a coach when you're at the losing end of the stick for I don't know how many years now. And we've gone through so many coaches and they've all been duds except Wayne Bennett way back when. The pressure to sort of satisfy all the demands, the media, the players, uh, the fans particularly, uh, it must be pretty intense. And Flannel, of course, does come with baggage. Uh, Mary, do you think the baggage has any impact? Do we need to talk about that baggage? I think we certainly need to talk about Mm. that baggage. And there's a conversation here about, you know, how long people should be punished for the deeds of the past. Yes. Has Flano changed? Has he learned his lesson? I, I don't know. I know, because you can't go to his parish priest, can you, and sort of ask for the dead set secrets that he's carrying with the burden that he's carrying that he might be unburdening to somebody. But he's putting on a pretty good front, and I thought it was a, a little uh, not appropriate that he contact Ben Hunt before being announced. But did you hear about that, though? Right, because that oh, was... Oh, I see what you're saying. That was brought out against him as being, yeah. you shouldn't do that, it's inappropriate. Is yeah. this another echo of what he was doing back in 2018? Is this, is this work of the Muppets in the media? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly right. <laughs> Flano's gone to the press today and says, Ben and I just happen to go to the same coffee shop. <laughs> and, and he said, mate, if I happen to be your coach, you'd be my halfback because yeah. we know there's this big concern about Ben doesn't want to play number nine. Yeah. But the the fault lines have just clearly been uh, etched, Mary and Stephen. So Darren Kane, lawyer and uh, occasional writer for the Sydney Morning Herald, he's in the definite no category. And that was uh, um, uh, opposed yesterday by learned journalist Dean Bulldog Ritchie, or Bullfrog Ritchie as we like to refer to him, going back to Caelan <laughs> Ponga's father. By the way, just very briefly, that, that opening smacked his bottom with a beautiful bit of football. Yes. I put that on our socials when the Battle of the Cherubs, Caelan Ponga stepped Reese Walsh yes, on Saturday cherubs, night. Yes. Magnificent moment, yeah, yeah, turns yeah. out Newcastle lost. Anyway. Because we do call uh, Reese Walsh Barishnikov. <laughs> so what does right. that make Caelan Ponga? I don't know. Nureyev. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Sir Robert Helpman. And, <laughs> and, and so uh, on the positive side, Bulldog Richie, who says, listen, come on, first of all, the peptides thing was 10 years ago. I mean, right. count them 10. Yep. The suspension for ignoring the NRL's instructions to not contact the club, including continuing to use your Cronulla Sutherland email, was five years ago. And he says, Shane Flanagan, we have to acknowledge, has a deep scientific understanding of the game. Can we just have a little moment to think about that? I think I'll need quite a moment to talk about that, Stephen. I guess my question here is, I've said in the past, quite recently, that the Dragons potentially have some cultural challenges. The players didn't show up to the awards night last year. We had the barbecue gate where players were caught hiding under the bed. Yes. There were the challenges associated with Jack DeBellin. Can we blame Matt Duffy for all that? (laughs) Potentially. (laughs) Then there was Anthony Griffin and the tweets that he was liking on social media. Even if Shane Flanagan does have a scientific understanding of the game, from a culture perspective, yes. is he the right person to lead this club forward? Hook you're talking about. No, I mean, um, <laughs> Flano. Flano. Yeah. I mean, even the name alone is enough to sort of ban him from anything. Well, <laughs> it's like 70s pub rock, really, isn't it? Yes, Flano. Look, I, to, be, to be honest, in order to understand a broken culture, you may as well be broken yourself because at least you know what you're working with. Right? Yes, yes, By the way, Duffy, it. the great thing about Duffy and scientific yeah. approaches to the game, yeah. he had to do the five-kilometre sprint home from Barbecue Gate as the police arrived. That's right. But he was pressing enough to have the GPS on. Right. <laughs> and he returned his best time for the 5K <laughs> run. No one ever said he wasn't fast, Chris. <laughs> That's right. I like Duffy. And, of course, can we just make a nod to the great HG and Roy? 
and they've got the record release, which is not a real record release, but Dufty's on flute. That's right. You know, the Katoni Staggs trio. <laughs> jazz greats, I think, jazz funk. Pretty jazz greats, yes. <laughs> uh, sorry, we digress slightly there. Um, okay, so let's go back. The, the, for those that don't know, ASADA, remember that term? We're involved in investigating peptides, I think, or any sort of um, you know, malnourishing items that rugby league players were using. It was widespread in, in Cronulla Southern. Of course, where else is going to I mean, who else would be corrupt enough to do it? Who else would be crooked enough to leave St. George of 67? Of course, they're going to be the ones doing it. And then, of course, it was managed, I suppose, by Stephen Danks and another, the Gazelle. The Gazelle would drive in with the car, with the boot, open the boot up. They used to, they used to say, 9 o'clock time, folks, showtime out the back. They go to the boot, they pick up their free uh, supplements. You know, I think... And we had uh, supposed lawyer Stephen Gorry on the show around about the time when we were waiting <laughs> for the Paul Gallon decision. We, we had a journo down at uh, at league headquarters. HQ. And those days used to be entertainment quarter and they were looking for the white or black smoke coming right. out of the chimney <laughs> as to whether Gal was exonerated or not. And he wasn't, but he was backdated the hell out of. But Stephen Gorry said it was essentially a workplace issue. But you would have thought there were a few signals. Like, first of all, you were asking me, Stephen, what was the vehicle? And we, Mary, I don't know, would you agree that it was... Don't you imagine it was a sedan that the boot would open up rather than a flat? Oh, you don't think a hatchback, not a, not a barina? No, no. no I, okay. a, a sedan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. But the fact that the players were asked to turn up to um, the back of the Cronulla Southern League's club at 9 o'clock at night wearing dark clothing yes, would have yes. tipped them off a little bit, I would have thought. Cameras turned away. That's, that's right. That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, don't bring your phones. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, right. what good advice that is, yes. don't bring your phones. Oh, it could be applied to so many scenarios, <laughs> couldn't it? <laughs> so, so, okay, so, so he was banned from the game. Uh, yeah, he received a suspension in 2014. Officially in exile. Yes, after Richard Ings, of all people, named it the darkest day in Australian mm-hmm. sport. I wonder where Richard is these days. Yes, exactly, because yeah. it was big news. It was very big news. And then he broke another bylaw. Well, the terms of the suspension, Mary, are correct. Right? So he, he was meant to not maintain any communication, that's right? That's exactly right. And he was caught from his own email, is my understanding. <laughs> I'm just imagining like Homer Simpson standing on the phone booth outside the club. Hello. But it wasn't like that, was it? I, I think the actual, if I can get the right appellation of the email, he was emailing all the players and it was flano at sharkies.com.au, I think. <laughs> is this coaching advice, by the way? Just life advice. And I think that life was his advice. argument. He says, I'm not talking footy with these guys. Yes, you yes, know, yes. the fact that I've got A and B defender yeah. and block to block and shape, yeah. these are all things that I want you to apply to your general career. So you're saying the, though the, though the Dragons have unanimously signed him on as the new coach. The terms and conditions haven't applied. There may be some of those sort of fine print in this to stop said action. Well, I want to put it to you, Mary, because you've been very, as you've suggested, outspoken on this issue. There's culture issues with the Dragons, yet we're a society that thrives on second and, nay, third chances at times. What is the redemption story here? And can you You see your way... You said the crucial word, Mary, the redemption story. My favourite word in rugby league. It's a trigger word, isn't it? And and can I throw this into the mix before you answer? The big debate about um, the uh, the Dragons appointing a coach was do you appoint a proven coach with a running record or one of our own? Mm. Well, Flano did play for you and, in fact, three first-grade games for the Dragons before How many? Three. Three. We went on the likes of West and so forth. So he's both one of your own and a premiership-winning coach. Is that not an intoxicating cocktail for someone in the Dragons situation? It is, but with coaching, we always seem to want to go back to the past. I mean, I think Andrew Webster at the Warriors has been a wonderful example of what can happen when you sort of look outside the box. Yeah. Tigers, and I sort of, 
I'm a bit uncomfortable as well with the way that Shane Flanagan was paraded around by the media. Who's going to be the next coach that they put on the Fox League panel? <laughs> yeah. well, this is, but doesn't that point to the fact that we've got a crisis on our hands? And is that crisis, Chris, that if you're in the media, you've got to be a coach or vice versa? <laughs> we are undernourished in both respects. <laughs> they talk about needing to get into high schools and get more STEM jobs. Yeah. We need to get coaching and yeah. media performance Aligned into our together. high school that's, stat. That's right. Because we, as you're saying, I mean, the same names came up, Desi, Madge, Flano, yep. and a crop of newbies. That just seems undernourished for mine. Where are all these new green shoots going to come from? And is it possible, by the way, that once Jason Riles, remember him? <laughs> once he decides to go to Melbourne and play, then Bellamy will come to the Dragons and take over the Dragons? Wouldn't that be the ultimate? Wouldn't wow, <laughs> that's great. That's I what like I'm that. hoping for. I'm hoping for it all to fall into place just and, like that. And if he did, do you think he'd um, rent Jason Ryle's home that happens to be in Wollongong? And there'll be a clause, clause in Flano saying, as soon as Bellamy appears on the horizon, skedaddle. <laughs> <laughs> You're out. So uh, that is interesting stuff. So he's in from exile. Apparently that's the business. No more talking about the losing culture of the Dragons. There's nothing funny about the Dragons. Everything is peachy keen from now on in Okie dokie. Redemption story writ large. Mary, you often say you have a soft spot for many teams. Does that include the St. George Illawarra Dragons at the moment? It certainly includes the St. George Illawarra Dragons women's team. There you go. Yay, okie dokie. Absolutely. <laughs> and Sowie? Yeah, yeah, I've enjoyed Sowie, and he seems extremely passionate about the women's game. I'm not sure whether you saw the way he announced his signings. He did little individual videos with each player. Love that. He did, he did. He looks committed, doesn't he? Sure does. Yeah. You're certainly connected to the NRLW, and one thing I'd like to encourage you to encourage them to do, given your close connection, is... Can you get those coaches into press conferences? Because we want to give more coverage to the NRLW, but we'll definitely need the presses because that gives us about half of each. That's where the funny shit happens. That's where <laughs> we, we need more Ricky Stewart's in the NRLW if you can help us there. So uh, I would say, Chris, that uh, you're a student of history. Yes. Mary is no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. The Greeks invented everything. We know that. Absolutely. Yeah, come on, democracy, the rest of it, the Olympics. Well, <laughs> so Vlaki. <laughs> well said. Um, the, the, the notion that we, we, we don't often see empires fall, but I think we might be witnessing one right now. You know, we never got to see the Roman Empire fall, nor the Greeks, uh, though we have uh, items to sort of tell stories about it. Now, the British Empire, of course, has been in slow decline for a long while, but we still have the king's honours, so not quite yet. Are we witnessing in Chooknado 2 the roosters in decline as an empire? What do you think, Mary? If it was any other club performing the way that they were right now, I think a lot of fans would have written them off. And I actually, I'm kind of sad about it because Trent Robinson is a coach that I deeply respect and I think he's a wonderful speaker on the issues that impact the game. I've struggled to watch James Tedesco the last few weeks too. I am seeing a decline. Am Mm. I fully comfortable writing them off though? Absolutely not. Wow. I would have said exactly the same thing last week if you asked me about Melbourne getting flogged you say well if there's anyone but Melbourne yeah uh, I of course are taking no um, delight in this decline which I think is actually <laughs> happening at the Sydney Roosters uh, yeah. because as we all know I am a member because of my community service order and <laughs> and uh, the trouble here and you've already highlighted I mean he's such an eloquent speaker Trent Robinson he speaks French you know um, will he? always be remembered for his Mount Kilimanjaro speech yes, yes. but he has been labelled this year, the moral compass of the NRL. Well, he's lofty and aspirational, isn't he, Chris? It's a huge burden to carry. And right now, I think he's in a magnetic field because north is south and everything's gone which way. And But isn't it hard not to point to Trent as the architect of the rooster's way? 
And the Roosters way stood for certain values. And the moment that Joseph Swahalihi was allowed to play as a child under the age of 18, and I'd then go into Matt Lodge, Nathan Brown, need I go on? Uh, and these are the indicators, of course, of moral... It, it collapse. We know. I've read Animal Farm. I'm sure you've all yes, read Animal yes, Farm. Something about power and absolute corruption. Yeah. I never got to the end of the book. It was, <laughs> it was too long. Um, and I'm looking for the animated movie on YouTube. Right. But I think this is what's happening to Robbo. That it, it's a possibly he's too good. Yeah. Where does Pilatus sit in the blame of this? 30 years is a long time in the job. Right. How does he do that? How do you do that, Chris? You can answer this, Chris. Okay. So. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you caught the uh, documentary about Mike and pa- Michael Palin visiting North Korea. Yes. But uh, they seem to have a fairly similar structure to the Sydney Roosters okay. board, from what I can tell. Absolute control, you think? Th- that's right. Yes. Because, like, one of the things that Michael Palin noticed, that all the iconography, be they statues, paintings of King Jong-un and King Jong-il, if I get that correct, they're always smiling. Normally you see dictators and warmongers as stern, but when you control the narrative so closely, as does Politis... Mm-hmm. They put them as always smiling. Politis is always smiling. Well, the Kithra connection, and yes. you can talk about this, mm-hmm. Mary Kay. Uh, I don't see that as a smile. Is that a smile from, from the, the chairman himself? Does he smile much? No, I don't think so. I don't so. think smile, no. I don't think so. I don't so. think you bear that much power and smile at the same time. The Russians know that, Chris. You know that. <laughs> They really don't smile. Smiling is a sign of weakness. You know that. Now, I would suggest that on the game on the weekend where Penrith just cleaned them up completely, uh, even without Cleary, uh, there were some indicators that there was trouble afoot. Uh, obviously, you could blame the red mist, flood of mist, you know, like storm red, of mist. It was like the red monsoon near yeah. the back end of the game. Jarru, and I've had enough. We've lost too many times now. I'm giving up now. And gets the water bottle out. Well, I was going to say, you said Penrith cleaned up the roosters. I mean, Jared was trying to clean up the roosters one water bottle at a time. <laughs> and it came off the back of Liam Martin catching JWH's hip, which uh, Ivan, the most evil man in rugby league, clearly seemed upset mm. about. And then he described uh, Jared as having cocked his arm that collided with Moses Leota's head. Yes. The first thing, how did they stem the bleeding on Moses Leota so quickly? I mean, they've mm. got something in that magic sponge in Penrith. But then all hell broke loose, Stephen, yep. Mary, as JWH took on Spencer Lino. Spencer Lenu. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> now, he's not as big as Jared. No. But is he's anyone? In- no. <laughs> well, yes, Nelson. Nelson. He's Nelson. the only one. Nelson should be banned. Too big for the game. Uh, and there's, there's Spencer just giving it to him, those goggly eyes, you know. Try and stop me, fellas. Try and stop me. I would have loved to have seen the continuation of that scene. Well, I mean, there was. Uh, were you watching it at live, Mary? No, I saw a replay, though. Oh, I was out of my seat. And, <laughs> I, Ready to and that's not that field? easy, is it, Chris? I, I was, not at the moment, no. I was reading old movie reviews and all of a sudden this happened. As one of our, on the, uh, the, the Facebook chat, which we'd love people to get onto Blowing Up Deluxe on the Fire Up Facebook page and then join the chat, which Stephen, you did. I think it was Stuart from memory said, this is just like that Severed Heads moment. Spencer Leonard, his dead eyes open. They were absolutely Google eyes. Now, you would have thought that maybe Jared was having a little bit of a dig at him about his recent problem um, in the downstairs department, maybe? Oh, we're not going to talk about testicles again, are we? It'll be three weeks again. in a row. <laughs> you going now, for a new record? We claim that uh, said testicle, damaged testicle, was being looked after and repaired by uh, the boss himself. Well, because he's going to the Roosters yes. and, he's, and he's got it mounted. Because he doesn't trust the contractual in, arrangements. In the room where they're copying You're the You're not walking is. away. I've got it in my right hand and it's in, in a gloved hand. Right. Know, it's protectors. And careful. people thought we were being funny. Yeah, no, 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 no. Turns out he did have a section of it removed. <laughs> yes. Literally. So that's, that's enough. Alive, Chris, that's, alive. that's enough. So, so Nick goes, I can get a bit of edge here to get the boys fired up for the balance of the season. I'll just give it a tweak. Give it a tweak. And off Lena went. And... <laughs> And, but I, I can tell you what the real difference was about. It didn't work that, Chris. No. Well, first of all, George Burgess throws a water bottle, Mary. Yes. Two weeks. 
Jared throws a water bottle, a fine. Send off? At least two weeks in my book. Yes, of course. But no, it's the roosters, no, right? No, no, no. It's the roosters' way. Different rules. But Spencer said, I'll see you out in the car park. Uh-oh. And this is where the conversation really went south because if anyone's been out to Moore Park... Aren't they talking about the stadium car park? Yes. The one in the entertainment quarter or on the fields, the if you can still do space. that. That's right. Yeah. It's confusing. It is confusing. And so that was where they all, all and, the heat and light was. And is that why what Stephen Dakes, uh, Danks' mate, uh, the gazelle, was loitering somewhere there? <laughs> he's been looking for trade ever since. It was tapping into those deep wounds of the darkest yeah. day in Australian Chris, sports. The too. truth of the matter is none of those things we've talked about. The truth of the matter is your mate, the whisperer, the coach whisperer, Bradley Stubbs. Charles Stubbs, please. Yes, d- signed off on a contract ending last year with the Roosters. Am I right or wrong? Well, in fact, Mary, you were working for SEN up at Central Coast Stadium. And I, I um, popped down to wave hello to you and say, gee, I wish I had your job and all that sort of thing. And you sort of sort of gave me a sort of a desultory wave for yeah. how I'm working here. Don't bother me. Did I really? Or did I put both hands in the air? Yes, Chris. Get me out of here. Jimmy Smith is a nightmare. Um, and there in the rooster's box was Bradley. And so I saw him scurrying off at the end of the game and I gave him a call. And that was the first day he was back in the employ of the Roosters. Coincided with Matt Lodge's first game. Is that a coincidence? They went on an eight-game winning streak. Did you clarify, is he employed or not employed by the Roosters? Well, at the end of last season... They were unable to come to terms for this season. Uh, terms That's what's happened yeah. to the Roosters' way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Terms and conditions can kill you. Okay, so Mary, you don't even know what he looks like, do you? No, I have no, no, no. idea. Good good thought, Chris. Keep her away. <laughs> look. I'll you look know, aside to the Roosters coaching box well, next time I'm doing commentary. You don't need him. We need him, Chris. If we don't get mm. Mary Constantopoulos... And Bradley Charles Stubbs. Together. On this show, yes. we haven't done our job. Right, and Brendan no, Cowell. Yeah, and Brendan Cowell. And Brendan Cowell. We'll come to that. <laughs> Back in a minute here. Blah. Fire up. I'm not going into details. It's too horrible. So horrible that when Bernard Spilsbury examined the residual shambles in the bungalow, he said it was more gruesome than anything even he had ever seen. That, from a great pathologist with unique experience, constitutes a warning not to be ignored. Back to fire up with, uh, we'll call you Mary Kay now, just for... Perfect. Yes, yes. We can't do that with all the individuals of the rugby league community. Uh, I'm Stephen F. and uh, Chris G. How are you going? I was just going to say, I was just gonna say call, me big, call me Big Tino. Now, I did mention the in-betweenies, the State of Origin talks ramping up, and as you said, everybody just watches for the injury. He's going, oh no, is so-and-so injured? Are they injured? Is it going to break down again? There are certain commentators, Michael Ennis and Andrew Johns, I'm looking at you. Mm. They spend their entire expert commentary role Scouring for all the origin contenders, and the minute one of them like reaches for a bootlace, is going, Oh, I think there's a developing story in back play. <laughs> and 99 times out of 100, there is no developing story. And the irony is, having mentioned Big Tino, the one time there was a big story, which was Appy Coruscant's jaw shattered in two yes. places, they missed it, didn't now, notice till he went off. Talking of Appy, of course, who's not in State of Origin 2, he's now looking like Hannibal Lecter. Have you seen the latest <laughs> picture? He's got the, he's got the full mask on, the jaw, the, the jaw is wide like uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, you know. But he was still smiling through the pain. Did you see that photo, Mary? I did see that photo. He looks very similar to that uh, uh, football referee who originally was getting the sympathy of a nation for being viciously attacked by a player and having his jaw broken, but turns out he started the fight. But uh, it's a Importance similar... of context, everyone. Yeah. Now, do you, uh, do you follow the Queensland team and the shenanigans up there? Bits here and there, Bits here Stephen. And there. Okay, what takes you... I mean, obviously Ben Hunt for me. I follow Ben Hunt. Ben, big Tino's in. 
Tino's in, yeah. no case to answer. And and Mary, I thought you were instantly inquiring about a comparative situation. Well, I was sort of only half watching the Parramatta Eels game yesterday and I noted that Mike Acevo was also put on report for... Uh, so I had Big Tino in the bumper bar category and even though I'm a West Tigers fan, I'm I'm dealing with it. Whereas Mike Acevo looked like he was putting a box of shoes up in the top drawer of his cupboard. The elbow right, was right, raised right. so high. Tino is a lot taller than him. <laughs> <laughs> True. Weren't you both just talking about uh, somebody who got a, a, an elbow to the jaw and it was nearly half dead while... Throat. Yeah, throat. I- Isabel Kelly. From the State of Origin women's right. game and was on, on the floor gasping for air for no, what seemed no. like minutes and play just continued. No. That was quite odd, I yeah, thought. Yeah, was Georgia Robinson, right? Julia Robinson, Julia yeah. Robinson. And, Accident, uh, of course. Yeah, and they're great mates. That's the most important thing, you know, if I go back to the Latrell Joey Manu thing is to get out and make sure that everyone knows you're great mates because then you can do whatever the hell you like to them. But um, uh, Isabel is back for Origin 2 up in Townsville, Correct. I think, this week. And uh, that was a pretty scary moment. It's interesting because the only way the play should have stopped was if the trainer had signaled, right? And the trainer didn't signal. Queensland went on to score a try. But we last week played a bit of audio of um, Darren Lockyer talking to Ben Hunt and we're thankful that Isabel won't end up sounding like either of them. Seabowl too. He snuck in too. <laughs> That's right, the three tenors. I forgot about that. <laughs> now, there's a rugby league super group. Super group. Now, uh, okay, so we're going to move on from the Queensland team. We've done them. Oh, well. <laughs> What's to say? I mean. You, you got any skin in the game? You got Jermaine Hopgood? No. But he wasn't. He was in the he discussion. He was in the discussion. But no, Queens, we've got no skin in that game. No. Yeah, yeah. Cameron Munster. <laughs> but the New South Wales team on paper look like winners. <laughs> of course. Got a lot of skin in this game, actually, Steve. I'm glad that Damien Cook's back. I, I seriously think that, that he's, he's one of those go-forward sort of guys. So you're happy that Abby Coruscant's jaw got broken? Is that what you're saying? I did oh. not say that, Chris. No, no, I'm not happy. Where's the humanity in Abby's you? out. Yeah. Okay. But uh, Nico Hines is not in. I, I, I don't know what to make of that because it's the whole thing is where do you put him? You know, he is the Dalian winner from last year. He's an extraordinarily good-looking man. He has a great backstory with his family his mother and his brother etc you know and he's considered fragile by Gus Gould now that is a bad look I really felt for him in game one I don't think he was set up for success if you're not going to play a player in position don't play them at all and he got sent on for the last 10 minutes imagine the pressure I I just I didn't really see the point well but I think the I think the plan was that given where the game was and the way Coruscant was performing that he wasn't going to play bar the Trevojevic injury but it turns out that Matt Burton could have played under the uh, the eighteenth man rules, and so Freddie could have sent him out, which right, would have been right. possibly a wiser choice. But the whole thing about Nico Hines and Pretty Boys, which is a current discussion, like when what's, what's the movie actually looks like? Oh, Tarzan. What's his name? Oh, Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert looks yeah. like Heath Ledger, don't you think? Heath yeah, Ledger. I think it's Heath wet, Ledger. Wet, yeah. hair, wet hair all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there is a lot of discussion about assembling the Pretty Boy thirteen, yeah. and yeah. we mentioned Ponger and Walsh and and Hines, but. Captain coach, definitely Todd Payton. No, he's the best-looking Ming of the Merciless of, oh, of all. Okay. Absolutely sensational-looking. Okay. He takes the cake. S- Sensational-looking. He's got an eyeliner, surely. I tell you what, though. The, the thing about rugby league is they're not absolutely queuing up for the list, are they? So we're going to have to work harder <laughs> to, get <laughs> no, a, no. to get a bench. Now, talking about the halfback potential, and uh, when uh, Mitch Moses is in, what do you make of that, Mary Kay? As a biased Parramatta fan yes. who is waiting desperately for a premiership. Yes, exactly. Don't want it. Leave my player alone. Yeah. I feel like he's been sent almost on an impossible mission yeah, here. Yeah. He'll play game two. Yeah. He might play game three, depending on whether Nathan Cleary is fit or not. Yes. They lose game two. He's done. He's, he'll be fragile. Lamb to Sloan. I don't need fragile players, Steve. I don't need Steve. fragile, I don't no, need no, fragile no. players. So, so you're like me. Like, team... 
issues trump origin responsibilities. Do you want to push origin to the end of the season? Can I be honest, Chris? The Blues will win several State of Origin series in my lifetime. It's a 50-50 chance, right? Parramatta may never, (laughs) ever win a premiership in my lifetime, right? Maybe once Parramatta win a premiership, I'll care about State of Origin a little bit more. Are you familiar with emo music? Yes, I am. You'd be a big fan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'd be right. It speaks to me. Um, But just on that conversation, Chris, about where we have Origin, it's also super relevant to the women's game Mm -hmm. because... That was the first game many of those women had played in about two months. And I would say that the quality of the game wasn't as good as we've come to expect. I don't think we set them up for success at all. I called it a bludger, Mary. Yeah, and I said, and it was unfair on the women to be put into that situation because it was just error riddled in my view. And yeah. it was not a good advertisement. Let's move State of Origin, the men's to the start of the season. The first well, game they play. First game they in, play. Could you imagine? they're fit, aren't they? In Las Vegas, perhaps? <laughs> yes, yeah. there we go. There now, there's go. an idea. No betting. No betting. <laughs> By the way, the, the Gus school saying Nico Hines is fragile, certain parties have approached me and said, the guy's a grub, how dare he say it, etc., ah. oh, etc. Et yeah, Gus Gould. And I said, he did say he'd pick him, but at number 14, he'd actually have him there, not Reese right. Robson. Right. Uh, but the other discussion, of course, the third party who was in dispatches, and was your preference, Mary, Adam Reynolds? Was that right, or Nico? I think Adam Reynolds was my preference. Chris, did you know... Inspector Clouseau style. He had a magnifying glass out and he, had, he knows every he blade does. of grass at Lanka, well, it, every blade of grass it, and how it turns. It's so funny that you say that, Stephen, because let's listen to these two quotes. People say we know nothing about football. Let's yeah. just listen to these two quotes back to back. Adam Reynolds, discarded by South Sydney Rabbit, discarded, you know, yesterday's man. And he's now the captain coach, right, <laughs> of, of Brisbane. So imagine if they put him in, in a Brisbane decider, and he wins. Well, for the blues, he does know every blade of grass every at Suncorp Stadium. Are you going? Do you know he inspects it? Takes him two days with is a little magnifying. No, he's thorough. But the thing about uh, Reynolds is that he knows every piece of grass on that stadium up there. If I that, love is that, not, is that not enough, Chris? You're the Shane Flanagan of rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> you no, are the scientific no, no, knowledge. No, no, no I'm actually worried. Conditions apply. <laughs> I love Spud Carroll. He's been on this show. I love the man. But mm. if we're in agreement with Spud Carroll, maybe we don't know that much about rugby league. <laughs> oh, come on, Chris. What I'm worried about. <laughs> I just think it just would have been a, the, the fairy tale of all fairy tales in Queensland, in Brisbane, playing for Brisbane, their saviour. They'd be conflicted so much to watch him just dismantle Queensland. And we don't need a player for the future, right? Because let's be real, that player is Nathan Cleary. It doesn't matter how well Mitch Moses performs in either of these games. No, no. You know, the definition of application is a difficult one. And there was the guy who Dave Letterman talked about who typed a million words every day or something like that. And he said, ladies, he's single. But um, (laughs) if we could find someone who could actually do the task of how much work, assuming no change state so that we're not taking panels in and out but just a moment in time how many blades of grass are we talking about that Adam Reynolds is familiar with I'd be fascinated to know and maybe that could be it's close to a billion Chris you know you used to go those kids fates and guess how many marbles in the jar yes 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 you never get it right well well, let's say we're going to do the research and maybe we'll offer an end of season prize for the person who comes closest to the number of blades of grass on some called psychotherapy for Adam now that he's been dumped he'll just go back and count grass (laughs) That's all he's going With to his tiny little magnifying glass. Tiny little magnifying glass. It'll take four days this time. Just Someone to get will over play a tiny pain, little you know. fiddle as well. 
and, and, and where is Cody as, Walker and all this? Roosters burn. <laughs> Co- Cody Walker and all this. He's been lost in all this discussion. Well, that would have been even better. Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker. Could you imagine a reunited at last? And there has been talk. There's not been enough grub in the first state of origin. So Cody Walker comes back. Red Miss Central. Well, and Liam Martin's been cleared. So hello, we're halfway there. Hello. And this is the thing, because it would have made such a beautiful headline because it previously New South Wales two pantherized question mark, yeah. had... Had uh, Adam and Cody and dare I say Campbell Graham yes, been yes. born in as a package deal, rabbit proofed rabbit New proof. South Wales. Right, would have been beautiful. Okay. Now what are we? <laughs> what are we now? We're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you worry about uh, Freddie's health? Is he under uh, too much pressure right now? Oh, I mean that's. You know, that's... Remember, you know, wellness, Freddie. Remember toes in the grass. Remember meditation. I think Freddie will be okay. Freddie's okay. He's got right. a number of roles. Good old. Maybe he's got too much on his plate. Yes. You, you know what I think it is. He, I think he'll be fine because if he he gets an extension if he wins this series. If he doesn't, I think he'll probably fall on his metaphoric sword. But he'll go out with a fifty percent record, which let's face it, for New South Wales coaches, is pretty good. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's not resolved, and it remains to be resolved, is it Freddie with a Y or an IE? I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is, Chris? I go IE. Of course it is. See, but, I was going to... Oh. See? <laughs> and now we've I'm really not sure now. I'm, now Mary, I'm very confused. And it's that lack of clarity in New South Wales, Mary, that's costing you the we, series. If we can't spell his name correctly, exactly. what chance do we have of getting the game plan right? Are we really fans? Maybe not. And can I, I just know say, how to spell I, Brad Arthur's name. Can I just name? show how professional belatedly... Can we talk about what Mary does? Why not? <laughs> what do I do? Well, can I open with one... Uh, Beautiful event in your storied media career this season, Mary. Last year, we had a quote, which let's face it, was uh, a tweet which was written by Redfern Pat, so we had nothing to do with it. And it ended up in the, the They Said column for Peter Fitzsimons in the Fitz Files. Tell us about yours that ended up, and it was we were just referred to as From Fire Up, where it was from the highly regarded Ladies Who League. How did you get there this year? I wrote an opinion piece about one of my favourite clubs, the St George Illawarra Dragons, and perhaps expressed a controversial opinion. I look back, I don't think it was that controversial, but uh, it garnered more attention than I've received this year. What was the sticking point? I don't think... No, what I think is it concerns me that Jack DeBellin Mm. is the best possible captain for that that team at this time right. I don't debate that he should yeah. be playing yeah. I don't debate his role in the leadership group being named captain is a different kettle of fish I think so yeah, I'm not sure I've really seen behaviour from him that yeah. demonstrates yeah. leadership I, I thought it was your article saying it's time for Flano but it was obviously the, the, no the not that one like yeah that's this Cause, week because <laughs> we're here at Fire we don't know anything about that stuff we don't talk about that. We, we, we have a we have a, a rule, which is the eleven year stand down rule, means we can't talk about it. I actually would love to employ that rule. Yeah. I think it would make my life a lot easier. Whereas in the Junior Ramon situation, when it got put down to a local court in five years, now we can talk yeah, about a guy yeah, yeah. chasing someone with a hammer so across the roof. Dylan Brown, then can we talk about him? Yes. Well, it, he's less than eleven years. Yeah. Yes, he oh, is, yeah. but he has been stood down. And yeah. and of course, the Dylan Brown issue is this bit of been a bit of uh, cat calling, dare I say, and dog calling around this. Mary, what's your take on all this? Issue? And, and is just not an East versus West thing. Yeah. Yeah. Those damn down Easties. Golden, go down the Golden Sea. Of course, of course he's going to be harassed and picked upon, isn't he? Look, my understanding is, and this sounds ridiculous, I can't believe I'm talking about barnyard animals, <laughs> is that it is a common technique amongst rugby league players to try and put their, their friends off, their teammates off while they're giving interviews. Right, right. I don't think it's... Dacking. 
Yeah, like you know, that's not funny. Well, boys can be idiots. They're idiots that follow sport. Like really, I mean, so that's my understanding. And I would have preferred them not to yeah, have done it. Right. And you, we would have made Dylan Brown captain then. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But that was going to be the tweet that I did last week. We're not putting, we're not naming Dylan Brown captain <laughs> this week, right? right, right but I yeah. didn't. And let, let's face it, your your boys are under uh, immense difficulty because it's very difficult to imitate an eel. I mean, <laughs> whatever. But that was quite good. Thank you. I've caught a few of my time, but. One thing I did want to ask you, Mary, in a rare moment of seriousness, because as you said, most of this show is serious, so we may as well have another rare moment. <laughs> when the Dylan Brown incident occurred, of course, there's an immediate pylon on you um, uh, as to well, what are you saying now, as opposed to the usual, why aren't you going to the NRLW, which has about one atrocity every millennium. <laughs> you do engage. Some people choose not to. What is it about you that um, occasionally says, you know, I'll roll up my sleeves here? So, Chris, to be honest, this is something that I've grappled with over the 10 years that Ladies Who League has been in existence. Mm. I used to really struggle with the trolls. Sometimes I highlight their points because I think they're really silly. Other times I highlight them to show people the sort of messages that I'm being given. How offensive. And sometimes, and this is a secret, mm. sometimes I mute people, but they don't know that I've muted them. So right. they just keep shouting into the abyss and I just sit there and reply and to the d- tweets that I want. You're on, you're on the porch with your rocking chair and your pipe going, you beauty. You <laughs> really, you really are. <laughs> so we were talking last week about Michael Checker, who obviously didn't get the job, despite his wonderful CV yeah, for the Dragons, yeah, saying... Yeah. The way he dealt with cranky fans of the Waratahs was he gave out his contact details. So do you want to give your number out now so people can ring you and you can talk them around or will you just leave it? Because Checker cold called, didn't he? Yes. Cole called you ring him up. Every disgruntled fan, you ring him up. Hi, it's Michael Checker. I'd like to talk rugby union with you. I will not give out my phone number, but if anyone wants to have a conversation, my DMs are absolutely open. Please feel free to send me a message. Good on you. And I will respond. All right, we get a song from Dennis Carnahan. Well, Chris. given that we've solved a few problems today, and which is unusual for us, but we're taking Origin to Vegas to open up the 2024 season, this song from the great Dennis Carnahan seems more than appropriate. Genius. Season 2024 is going to start with a roar, it's going to set the world on fire. They spent a whole lot of money, take two games offshore to get rugby league's profile up higher. Well, it's been tried so many times before. It's always been a flop, but they want to try it once more. Cause now they got a man to make it work for sure. Peter Valenis. Peter Valenis. In 1987, Origin Game 4 went to Long Beach, California. But only 12,000 Americans came and saw The pinnacle of league that day In 08, the Rabbits lost to Leeds in Jacksonville They lost the game, but they lost much more money still To go back, they need a strong heart and a love of steel That describes Peter Valenius Peter Valenius Peter Valenius, 2200 million catching He sure hopes it don't come crashing Cause he wants publicity Peter Valandis hoping Russell Crowe's rabbits Cannon Brooks' suspended habits Get the Yanks tuned in And they fall in love with rugby league All the clubs are lining up to try and get on the trip As long as someone else is paying Competition for the junkets running red, red hot Every journalist and commentator's praying That their boss sends them over there to cover the game But one thing that's missing, Pete, to entertain You're gonna need some music, so here I am Peter Valenis Peter Valenis Come on, Peter Valenis 
Fire up here. Uh, my name is Stephen Ferris. Uh, Chris Gale, Mary Constantinopoulos is here with us from Ladies Who League. Just talking about the mighty years. I said, uh, off air, how does it feel to cuddle an eel? I mean, dragons, are, you know, cuddle them, but you're proud of them. How do you feel about that? I don't really cuddle. I have a teddy bear yes. wearing eels' colours. That's the, probably the closest I get. At the Leagues Club, do they have a big tank at the front? No. They should, shouldn't they? Maybe at the Chinese restaurant. The Chinese restaurant, of course, what, what they waiting should, to be gobbled later. What they should do is you should have, like, the old-fashioned mink stole. Yep. is an eel that you can drape around your neck. Has but just you'd have to get the message out of the environmentalists. It's not really. You'd have to get a uh, tin of paint thrown over you because they thought it was a live eel that you had stuffed. <laughs> just having flashbacks like Britney Spears at the VMAs with yes, the boa constrictor. Yes, yes. Like, yeah, no. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, ladies in video clips on swings with eels, not snakes. You know, you know that we, sort of thing. We, we just heard about uh, the NRL going to Las Vegas and they're now taking origin. I was in Las Vegas the weekend that Britney Spears got married and divorced in the one weekend. Mm. Now... <laughs> I no one, Brittany. no one can necessarily say that it wasn't me that got hitched to her that weekend. They can't. There's no proof. There's no proof. You've met Britney Spears, Chris. Well, I'm not either not confirming. Not. Maybe or not. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> did you? Just while we are talking, Britney, did you go to? I think it was the circus tour or whatever it was in the Kudos Bank Arena. I did not. It was one of the most bizarre evenings I've ever spent. You know, because of my deep connection to Britney, but the entire thing was lip synced. She occasionally they yeah. turn the mic on so she go let's go Sydney or something. It is r- really extraordinary to see. There was no attempt to hide the fact that it was Limpsick. Can I just stop you there, Chris, and say you're a, you're a man of many many talents and interests, and you on one hand will happen to go and see Kiss or Britney. Mm-hmm. Lip syncing whilst loving prog rock. Well, of course, lip syncing would be the last thing they do. Sure. How do you reconcile that? I don't attempt to. Don't attempt to. But the other thing was that the Britney babies were brought out with the full headphones on just to experience mum at work, which I thought was good, you know, seeing what your parents do in the workplace. But she did not sing a note. I've heard, I've been listening to a Britney Spears podcast recently, actually, that that kind of behaviour is acceptable when the dance routines are as intense as they are. Is that right? And we've all heard of auto-tune, of course. Well, yeah. And, of course, we, this is a bit of a sore point, uh, Mary, because I was at Parramatta Stadium in 87 both nights to see Michael You were going, Jackson. release the eels! In the back. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to broker a merger at that stage between the eels and the tigers. We know right. how that went. Uh, but Michael Jackson, fantastic vocal performance. By the time he got to the Cricket Ground in 96 on the History Tour, when he was dancing, he wasn't singing. So I was there mm. for that one. That was mm. my first concert. Really? Oh, first one ever. First one ever. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. I uh, too. Electric Oak Orchestra for me, Randwick mm. Racecourse. Stephen? Oh, the very first. I can't remember the first one. Christ. We're going far back in the midst <laughs> well, of time. Knowing, no, no, I think, I think, knowing you as I do, it's probably Jerry and the Pacemakers or something, I, was it? I, I remember seeing Zoot. Zoot with Daryl Cotton and Rick Springfield in the local supermarket, uh, well, the local shopping complex <laughs> in the car park. Well, that's where Britney started her career in the local shopping complex. <laughs> I don't know if that's the first one, but I remember seeing Chain. Oh yeah, um, Chain was sort of was Ernest Black Blues. Feather, um, uh, bopping the Blues, Black Feather. Blues. All yeah. those bands came to our school. Rabbit for a couple of summers. Did Rabbit well. come? Rabbit came to our Rabbit school. Rabbit never came. Never oh really? Come. That's lots of long trip. This was a probably a tradition that was not in your era, Mary, where these rock bands would instead of having a DJ. You know, like that sort of modern fad for people pressing buttons. And dangled You know, playing other people's <laughs> tunes. Imagine. Like, can you imagine people actually have a career doing that? Yeah. But no, the, the school dance would be a yeah. full-on rock band would come and play. So it. when you watch, like, movies like Back to the Future where there's a band on stage playing, like, that's but, a real thing? But yeah, they, weren't, yeah. they weren't a house band from the school choir and band yeah. orchestra. No, they would be a fair income touring rock band. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's sort yeah. of time schedule, whereas, you know, the DJ just starts and finishes everything, you know, whereas the band... 
around. You, well, you've got to muck around and get a drink and walk have around. Have some there's food. No, there's no noise, you know. <laughs> then the noise starts and then they stop and you know, they have a break. That's you know? how DJs were invented because they realised there was too much downtime with bands and kids would get up to mischief. They had to occupy them. The DJ just keeps going. Because I'm really excited this week. It, why is that so? I think you've got some rugby union news, haven't you? Well, I do, Stephen. And um, we like a segment on this show. Yeah. And we have a new segment, which is Rugby Union Quote of the Week. Now, rugby union is a sport that is a quote machine. It's just never reported. But uh, due to the work of <laughs> Hamish McClellan, he's actually got them onto our radar. And, of course, the new CEO of Rugby Australia, Phil War, who, newsflash, is a short boy. Is he still no. rock, rocking that sort of, you know, rock and roll haircut? Sort of Prince Valiant, Prince Valiant, so yeah, type yeah, yeah. yeah, the Un- answer is... Unwashed and, sh- and combed. Yeah, yeah. The answer is yes, he yes. is. <laughs> and he's providing us our quote of the week. Now, I thought I... Could potentially use some of the homophobic quotes from Sam Scott Young at a rugby union function in Queensland last week, but I don't want to sully this show. No, no. So you were asking me questions about private equity, Stephen, which yeah. I really couldn't answer in any way, shape, or form. Mary might be able to. Me ever. Yeah. But in his first interview in the uh, Sneesby's press, as Roy and HG like to say, aren't we all these days? <laughs> aren't we all nine? Yeah, everybody's nine. We're part of the Nine Empire, Mary. Did you know that? No, I didn't. We're, we're, we're pitching. Oh, that was. <laughs> Uh, Long tentacles. (laughs) So is this not quintessential rugby union? So the question is, smart people in the finance world would say, sorry, in the finance world say, rugby Australia shouldn't go anywhere near private equity. Phil, is it a fait accompli you'll do a private equity deal? This is Phil's answer. Definitely not. Now, I would call that the rugby league answer, Right. right? But this is Phil's answer. Definitely not. That's why I'm talking about the optionality. Ensuring you run through a thorough process on all the options. And you model all the options so you make a very informed view as to what's the best for the game in perpetuity. Okay, so definitely not private equity. What are the alternatives, Chris? Um, the, the fans. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the media deal. Right. And that's what the trouble is. But optionality and perpetuity, that is our rugby union quote of the week. Chris, you've lost me completely. Can we bring it back to injuries? Yes. Okay, so there's a number of people out of state of origin, the primary one being the great Nathan Cleary. You're as cold as ice. We're all living in his world. That's that's the reality. And uh, there's nothing going on in our world because we're injured. Or are we really injured? How injured? And what are we doing about those injuries? I say to you, I read something about PRP. What is that? PRP. Mary, are you across what this is? I think you'd be better describing it than I, Chris. You know the vampire treatment where you get the skin rejuvenated by all the little injections, Kardashian yeah. style? Yes. In fact, I was in there last week, which is why I'm looking so fabulous. Yeah. It stands for platelet-rich plasma. And this is a process which is on the way, but not quite stem cell therapy, okay. where you extract a bit of blood, you put it into an in, a spin induction type yeah. situation, and you separate out the, 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 the yellow gooky plasma from the, the blood cells. You take that plasma, you put a bit of calcium glutinate in it, and then you inject it into the strategic ah, parts of weakness. Okay, right. And it's the areas of the body where the tendons and the ligaments are that are undernourished, right. and it gives them a soothing bath of so nutrients. So it's primarily used for sports people, not for beauty tricks. It's both. Both. Okay. So you can go in Nathan Cleary style mm. and he goes, he doesn't look that good on the footy show just simply by being a Cleary. No. He gets no. the PRP on the hamstring yes. and on the face. And the jaw. And on the jaw. And the jaw, right, okay. And he's had a blood transfusion. A bit of rip, okay. And he's had teeth out. <laughs> Four, I believe. Four wisdom Four. teeth. Four. Not as wise anymore. 
No. No, no, okay. Well, the, the, That's a shape thing? That's a, that's, a, that's a model thing down the catwalk style? Well, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want to end up looking like Coruscant. Um, <laughs> Does he have any teeth yeah. left? <laughs> well, he's got fake ones now, I think. But this, uh, of course, was all the impact of Wisdom Tooth was an issue, as you would have seen down in Adelaide, Stephen. Stephen was down there, Mary, bringing the noise mm. and will be at Suncor Stadium mm. next week. And so to keep the balance, he's had all four taken out at the same time that he's done the Latrell Mitchell <laughs> approach had his hamstring physically extracted, right. had the PRP treatment in the absence of the hamstring, which has been sent to Philadelphia with Dr. Billy Knowles. Okay, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. That's where the hamstring's gone with for tender loving care, as has many other rugby league players' hamstrings as well. How is that looking? Well, Mary, our theory is, is that Latrell did it the right way by having the hamstring removed, whereas both Tom Travoyevich and Ryan Pappenhausen went in situ. Accompanied the hamstring. Yes, yeah, on, delivered the hamstring. Travoyevich on the way back, uh, again, Bullfrog Richie announcing that uh, Pappenhausen will be on the ground within three to four weeks, and Pappenhausen <laughs> tweeted going, you're joking. Um, so it's, it's a mixed bag. I think Nathan's done the right thing. The He's the, detached. I, I have here, by the way, what the Knowles theory is about how you actually come back from the transplanted or rehabilitated hamstring. You owe the ground, and precisely what this means is unclear, but apparently, according to a high-performance expert, being strong through your entire kinetic chain, encapsulating your lower limbs, pelvis, and spine, so you can absorb energy from the ground and transfer this energy moving forward in space without risk of injury to your tissues, muscles, tendons, joints, and ligaments, absorbing and transferring this energy. And people call Billy Knowles a charlatan. I yeah, don't look, get it. That would convince me just like that. That's just, I mean, Isn't that earthing? In fact, <laughs> very much so, from the ground, transfer. And I actually believe that that high-performance expert, of course, is someone yeah. with a deep scientific knowledge of, of the course. game. That is a Shane Flanagan quote. Ah. We've solved it. Right. It's not, uh, not a journalist quote. Not a journalist. Not a well, good luck, Nathan Cleary. Uh, so he's, he's actually carrying the hamstring with him. Yeah. The, well, the, no, the, the Cleary is separated from the hamstring, which is right. now okay. in Philadelphia. It's in a box. In a box. In a box. In <laughs> he's done the Latrell way. That's right. Yeah. Su- yeah. Suitably refrigerated. My friend. Stephen Ferris and Chris Gale need to fire up here tonight. My friend. My now, talking of journalists, Chris, apparently there's a television show where journalists get together on the weekend. Well, Mary, we very quickly got away from what you're doing. Beyond Ladies Who League obligations, what are some of the other things you're involved in at the moment? I am writing for ESPN this year, which has been a lot of fun, and Fantastic. I'm looking forward to doing a lot of NRLW coverage. Mm-hmm. And I've also had the chance to call some games with SEN. I did Women's State of Origin last week with Jimmy Smith, which was I don't know, just a pinch me moment. Sometimes you just go through the motions and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that. That was phenomenal. How did you find the transition to, you know, obviously you've got the knowledge generally, but the specific knowledge of which players looking like what, what numbers what, and do you use binoculars? How does that actually work? So Jimmy Smith is doing play-by-play right. and Jimmy Smith is exceptional and I come in for the expert okay. comments, oh, which is it. where I really shine. Where do you sit? Wherever Jimmy Smith isn't sitting. Yeah. So he gets... Prize he choice? was next to me at Cogra uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. Doing the call with Noddy, I think. 
That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, know, we, we, you are in a com box. You're not back calling it from a studio somewhere. No, we are absolutely in a com box. Yeah, yeah. So would you describe yourself as a rugby league commentator on the basis of that or a journalist or something like that? I sort of shy away from the word journalist a little bit, Chris. Well, I think you could get a gig, though, on, Potentially. on the Sunday footy shows inside the 10, which used to be a 10-minute panel discussion where every week they say they get fired up right. without sending us a royalty. It's disgraceful. And we're talking your Andrew Webster's, your Ricky O's, yeah. uh, your Peter Bedell's, that sort journalists. of... Journalists. Right. Yeah, journalists, yeah, yeah. In recent times, yeah. Gus Warland. Gus Warland? <laughs> Should have been there sooner, Chris, years ago. And then, I kid you not, this weekend, Mark Levy from 2GB. Right. And, of course, Mark Levy got right up Webby for writing or deigning to be critical of yeah. the New South Wales Blues. And he goes, mate, journalists are meant to actually report on behalf of the fans. They're not there as cheerleaders. And Mark Levy... <laughs> Then just goes on, and if he tells the joke about one more time about I've got a good head for radio, just say you're ugly, mate. That's all we need. That's to hear. all. Get it over and done with. <laughs> yeah, then we're happy. Now that was Webster's point the other day, wasn't it? Yeah. He's not a pom pom cheerleader for That's the right. Blues or the Maroons. That's right. He's got to call a spade. He said if Nico Hines is not picked, can I, New South Wales is broken. So there you are. They're broken. Can I put forward the concept like J. Edgar Hoover that maybe Gus Wallen's got some information on somebody? <laughs> can I? Did I? But if, just on that point, Chris, about cheerleading. I mean. I tend to like to write positive stories. I yep. like to try and see the best in things. I like to share stories about our incredible female players. What are you doing here, Mary? Maybe that's why I shy <laughs> away from the word journalist. Well, and of course, yeah. uh, I think Webby quoted Wayne Bennett said, "If you want to write more positive stories, win more, win more." Which is, is part doesn't, of. Doesn't he boil it down? Hey. By the way, if I could just indulge myself, if there's a possibility of a biopic made of Gus Wallen with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Playing him as he did J. Edgar Hoover, I'd spend my 20 bucks sure on that. Surely he's one of those brothers from Byron Bay, Chris. <laughs> Surely. Either's fine. One of the Hemsworths. Yeah. Either is fine. Aren't there four Hemsworths? Aren't they like the Baldwins? Aren't there four of them? I think there are. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do they call themselves the least ugly to the prettiest? <laughs> there's, there's the Levy Hemsworth yeah. and there's the Heinz Hemsworth. How right, many right. Trebojeviches are there? Are there four as well? Oh, well, it was always for a long time, wait till you see Ben, the third Trebojevich, he's better than the other two. It hasn't been that way so far. Is there another one lurking? There may well be. How many gals are there? Uh, one and only. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank yes. you. Constantinopolis is... is Too one? many. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now I did not go to the game. Uh, I believe that the Canberra Horn was being brought out for what purpose this weekend? Well, the Horn is played every week. You know, it's the Viking Horn. Yeah, right? that was passed in to a large degree from the Iceland European Cup football cup tilt many years Centuries ago. ago. Right, so it was that's right. Yeah, now, we have established on the show, Mary, that the Raiders are the Raiders because there was a maverick group of Vikings who went off course. It was and, the Ice Age, and and they sort of, sort of sailed, enough. sailed right into what is now Lake George, and then of course yeah. got landlocked. Couldn't get out. And they <laughs> left the horn. That's why yeah, they yeah. settled here. They left a few helmets and a few spears, and why they went. And here we go. And yeah. what a great place to put Same your thing nation's capital. Same happened in Las Vegas, Chris. That's right. Yeah. Or to quote. <laughs> <laughs> to, quote, to quote Jack Whiten, the beautiful capital. Oh. So the beautiful capital, and Ricky Stewart, we played the quote last week. Oh, says, you're talking about Canberra, not Las Vegas. Correct. Right, okay. Uh, saying that uh, um, Jared Quaker, who was stood down for the Tigers game, better bring his A game because we've got nothing. We're broken. We're worn out. And he turns out they were right. They got flogged by the Warriors. Mm-hmm. But in having a beautiful ceremony for Jared and his family, very, very lovely family, Mary, I think you'd agree. Uh, uh, there was one big ceremonial piece that uh, that Jared wanted to occur 
And that was for his mentor, the man who showed him and taught him all about professionalism to blow the Canberra horn in the pregame. Yeah, yeah. you got to take a big breath, Chris. Very big breath. Very, Very big, big breath. breath. Yeah. And that, of course, was Todd Carney. I, I, I really can't wrap my head around I've got to be honest, I can't wrap my head around it. What Jared Croker. No, no, no. <laughs> that Jared Croker was mentored by Todd Carney. He showed him what it meant to be a professional. Very, and in a degree, what not to be in terms of being a professional. So maybe, Absolutely, yeah, maybe he showed him what not to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. He was older. And when you talk about lung capacity, I mean, we've all at some very shape or form seen the bubbler photo. It looks like he's got a good set of lungs on him. Totally, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, as, as the story goes, Abdo nixed it. Of course he would. Yeah. And Jason Croker, who I think is Jared's uncle, if I'm saying that correctly, yeah. put the lips on the big horn. Did he, did he and, do a good job, Chris? Well, I think he did a reason. I've seen that in the flesh. Well, the tape was working. Well, um, <laughs> can I tell you how upset I was when I found out it was a tape? Yeah. The most innocent of rugby league Tooth fans. Two fairies, Christmas, the whole bit, right? Profession. What are you saying about well, two fairies in Christmas? I have, Didn't he arrive for I, Nathan Cleary? I, 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 I pressed that button beautifully, Mary. I've done that horn before. We, we, we need to have a chat about professional wrestling as well, Mary. <laughs> we really do, Chris. But uh, it, it, it wasn't a B, and Ricky set it up beautifully. There was no way that Canberra were going to win that game, and they didn't. And, you know, as far as Todd not getting to blow the horn, uh, we can only dream as to what it could have been. Now, Chris, there were a few failures this last weekend. Big failures. Uh, we've mm. gone through a couple of them. The Roosters. Mm. Right, okay. Uh, Canterbury Bankstown. Uh, who else? Canberra. Dolphins. 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 Tigers. Sharks. Now, I got not ba- Newcastle. Sharks, definitely. Sharks. Not Newcastle, though. That was no. a belter game against the I felt the sorry for Newcastle. Yeah. Your mob, of course. You went well. Yes, we won well. We won no, well. no, sorry, I thought you were putting no, us in the no, other no, category. No, 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 I'm sorry about that. If I'm Give me a break. I thought he was no, maybe saying you didn't win well enough against the Bulldogs. Look, Chris, we I'm, were losing well at the start of the year. I'm happy to, to win badly, whatever it takes. I've got some bad news for you, Chris. Though St George won, we managed to climb up one position in the ladder and then fall back down again in the last three minutes. That, again, I was at home, you know, well, I was on well. And what a breathtaking three minutes Finish. it was. And we debated on this show last week, Mary, there was a poll went out about what should be the run-on music for the St. George Illawarra Dragons in the second half. Well, the very it, fact there's a poll is wrong. Yeah. We should no do it poll. for the Titans as well, to be perfectly honest. What, what do they use? I don't, I'm, not... oh, I'm just thinking that the Titans' second half performances oh. are not great, so maybe <laughs> right. they need a new and song. Until they yeah, right. played the Tigers last Thursday night. But uh, uh, Black Skinhead by Kanye West won in a canter. But Did it? Well, that's my take on it. But the run-on music this week down at Cogra, and I know your brother Mash was there singing along, was Don't Stop by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, not the Fleetwood Mac version? Not the Michael Jackson? And it's all well and good to play Don't Stop at the beginning of the game, but they should have played that at the 76-minute mark. Yes, yes. You remember remember that uh, Bugs Bunny show with the two two sheepdogs clock on and clock off? Oh, we we played that Ralph and... uh, Morning Ralph. Ralph and Sam. One of them didn't turn up. It's the wolf and the sheepdog. That's right, the wolf and the sheepdog. Morning Ralph, morning Sam. Three minutes ago, St. George went, why I got a clock on and stay on? So that was uh, that was a nice win, though. And you don't in any way um, put a discount in for the fact that about seven and a half million dollars of South Sydney's salary cap was sitting in the pavilion. Mate, they, they, it's their deal. I don't know. We just play what's in front of us. Exactly. Can yeah. only beat the team in exactly. front of you, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if, our, if our best are better than their... Sorry, if our worst are better than their best, so be it. Whatever. If our best are better than their worst, so be it. And um, one thing before we do go that just occurs to me, we talk about a prize if you can guess how many blades of grass on Suncorp Stadium. Apparently, George Burgess mm. is putting funding together for a movie called League. I heard about it. Is, he, is, <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So, you know, we'll have a theatre party for 10 yeah. to whoever gets closest when right. and if that movie Russell does. Russell must be involved, surely. Does. Arrive and and Mary, I do think we'd be able to get for the premiere of League, uh, well-known actor and former or well, former uh, host of this show and certainly friend of the show, Brendan Cal, to appear. And you've got a Brendan Cal story, don't you? 
I do. Uh, several years ago, several years ago now, actually, Brendan Cowell used to appear on a show on Fox called The League Lounge. Mm-hmm. And there was a competition to win a date with Brendan Cowell, this which is I entered. He was axed, right? Was it? Yeah, it was Renee Gartner and yes. Warren Smith, maybe. Warren Smith was definitely yeah, on the show right, yeah. because he read my entry on air. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't win the date with Brendan. I was really disappointed. I thought yeah, we yeah. could have a great day at the footy. Of course, of course. First of all, you auditioned for that, didn't you? <laughs> Me? Yeah. You're talking, didn't you me? and Brett audition for the some sort of on the lounge format oh, on Fox? Oh, no, that was, that was another show. All right, yeah. yeah. yeah much, more, the way. much more substantial, Chris. If we don't get Mary Constantopoulos, Bradley no. Charles Stubbs, yeah. and Brendan Cowell in the same room together, same room together we're not, we failed! We're not doing our job. I was making fun of Brendan a little bit in my entry, yeah. so that's maybe uh, why I didn't win. Maybe. Brendan's got a pretty thick skin, hasn't he? He Very. didn't like it. Very he didn't thick. like, didn't like it. it. No, I don't uh, think so. Oh, dear. <laughs> You put yourself up for it. Thanks very much, Mary, for coming today. Thank you for having much me. I appreciate your time sticking around. What a thrill, Mary. Good, all the very best for the Eels, both in the NRL and the NRLW. You too, Chris. Oh, and you too, Stephen. How great to be on a show where everyone has two teams. <laughs> Woohoo! So tune in again next week when we invite a veritable breadline of nobodies and wannabes to flesh out another rip-snorting roundup of rugby league shenanigans, slander and smut right here at the home of radio's most fatuous footy confab. Fire!